Let's pray. I, I've got some things that, uh, a lot of things going on in my mind and, and uh, heart, and I just want to share. I want to be faithful to God's Word today. And uh, so, you'll just, you'll just pray with me. Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts that we may see you more clearly. Lord, I pray for that one in this room that is still searching. They've got so many questions. May you be real to them. And and Lord, uh, I pray that you would not let me say what I shouldn't. And, uh, Lord, that it will be about you and it will bring glory to your name and that uh, you will continue to guide this group of people known as Central, um, Lord, in your path. For such a time as this, you've, you've put us here. And you want to use us. So, Lord, uh, guide us. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll uh, get to the Scriptures in, in just a moment. Um, some of you get nervous if we don't get there quickly. But uh, it's going to be in 2 Corinthians 9, but we're, it's going to be a little bit before we get there. Uh, week before last, uh, somebody said to me, Mark, happy anniversary. And uh, I was kind of processing in my mind what that, what that meant. I, I, am not, I am not really big on celebrating the way I need to be. I'm trying to get better at that. Um, I think it's because, you know, you stay somewhere so long, you just kind of forget. And uh, and I thought, okay, I know it's not our wedding anniversary. That's in March. I know it uh, uh, could be many different things, but I know what they were referring to. One of two things, 1993 is when Central came into existence, September of 1993. And so all of my anniversary just goes with the birth of the church here called called Central. So that means that we're 24 years old, about to enter in. We're entering into our 25th year of, of ministry here known as Central. Before then, uh, in 1990, there was the Mission Church part of Northeast that also started in September for us being there. And so, you know, it could have been, could have been part of that as the anniversary. However you want to stretch it out, they were saying happy anniversary. And, uh, I, and so I started reflecting on that a little bit. And just kind of processes within myself. And, and uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not, not good. You know, if you get multiple voices speaking to you, you want to make sure you're hearing from the Lord on, on, on what you're processing through and that kind of stuff. And so I, I started thinking about that. And I, I am so grateful for the body of Central in, in so, many, so many ways. I mean, it's, it's been life to us. I can't imagine uh, having a better, closer uh, Christ-following family than here and living in an incredible community. And we've lived here since 1985, and that's just nuts. You know, the city limit sign said 11,000, and now with the ETJ, it says 160,000, or, or that's what we're looking at. And so it's just unbelievable. So no two years are alike, you know. Uh, but I never want to live the same year over. I want to make sure I'm growing in, in that. So I started thinking about that a little bit. And one of the ways that I thought about it is you, you go to a Chinese restaurant, you eat your meal, and at the end they give you what? fortune cookie and you're just eager to even if you don't like the cookie you're gonna break it open because you want to see what that fortune cookie uh has to say now fortune cookies 
initially used to have a fortune in there. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna meet a, a beautiful person or something like that. There's gonna be a business success in your future. You know, these kind of things, and and you would you would kind of get a fortune in it. But now you open them up and you just get a, a you get a, a statement or you get how to pronounce a Chinese word or you get your lotto numbers, whatever you, you, you use for your fortune cookie. But but I started thinking about that, and I went online, and, and I just kind of did one of those Google searches of, of stupid things found in fortune cookies, uh, you know, things that were, were said. And, I, and I've got a couple here that you may have found one of these before, but imagine opening up a fortune cookie, and it says this, you will be hungry again in 30 minutes. Uh, or how about this one? How much deeper would the ocean be without sponges? You are about to become eight dollars and ninety-five cents poorer unless you got the buffet at six ninety-five. <laughs> I read this one. I thought this 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 would be me to get this one. Pigeon droppings burn the retina for thirteen hours. You will find out the hard way. <laughs> wow, I would love to get that one, wouldn't you? Um, the fortune you seek is in another cookie. <laughs> and then uh, one more, uh, open this one up and say, this cookie contains 117 calories. <laughs> but as I started processing within myself, there sometimes it comes out like those fortune cookies. And I want to share with you just some of the things that probably if you had... Uh, church fortune cookies and you open them up that some of these things might be said on there and 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 i myself see them we as a staff see them number one is this sundays keep coming i mean we we talk about this as a staff and when somebody comes on staff say sundays keep coming what that means is this it doesn't matter what you went through yesterday it doesn't mean if you feel bad it doesn't matter if you had a rotten week and you had it full Sunday's still coming, and you've got to check your attitude in the, at the door, and you've got to come in to represent Christ to a group of people. And Sundays keep coming. And uh, that's an interesting concept. And some of you say, well, Monday's come, Mark, and Tuesday's come. I, I realize that, but, but we've got to make sure we're at the top of our game every, every Sunday. Uh, second, second of all, a growing congregation will always need volunteers in its preschool. Always. And it's like uh, it, 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 wherever there's kids are, there's going to be a mess. But, but as long as the church is growing, the congregation is growing, there will be a need for volunteers in the preschool ministry. Uh, here's another thought. God's Word is timeless and transforming. God's Word is timeless and transforming. It always reminds me that we are not in the business of educating you, even though we're going to help you get educated and grow. We're not in the business of making you look better. We are in the business of presenting the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, and allowing the Holy Spirit of God transform your life. And the Word of God is the tool we use by God's Spirit to do that. Here, here's another one. And this one, man, is, is so personal to me. Comparison is a cancer to a pastor in a congregation. Comparison is a cancer to a pastor in congregation. I mean, we live in the day where there's so much information that we have access to 
that the, the automatic response is comparison. You know, it's, it's been said that Facebook, one of the struggles with Facebook is, is you go on there and you start comparing your life to this false life that somebody is portraying there on Facebook and you never measure up and you feel the struggle. It's the same thing with churches. In fact, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, we had our pastor's lunch here in the community and I told the pastors, I said, guys, this was after Harvey had done everything. And, you know, after Harvey, every church is trying to prayerfully consider what they're supposed to do. And then somebody puts it on Facebook, right? And so what happens is, is that pastor or the people from other churches start seeing what other churches are doing. And you're thinking, oh, are we doing enough? And the next thing you know, instead of being doing what God told you to do, you're just trying to up the other church. And uh, I had to tell those guys, I said, guys, I'm going to take some weight off your shoulders. You pray and see what God is telling you to do. Don't think you've got to one-up somebody else. But yet that's the problem. You know, uh, a pastor who's a speaker, you know, it gets compared to Andy Stanley or Craig Rochelle or Stephen Furtick, you know, because these are the all-stars that speak in our day. And so there's always that comparison that you have to be careful for uh, right there. Uh, here's, here's another fortune cookie. If someone doesn't connect in community... They will soon depart. If someone doesn't connect in community, they will soon depart. Here, here's what I mean by that. If you do not build relationships other than coming and sitting and watching what happens from this platform, which is great, I think the word is strong. I think these things are very good. However, it's just a matter of time before the law, the law of diminishing returns will lead you to go find it someplace else. But when you connect, just like Jared and Jess were talking, when you connect life to life, You'll put up with lousy preaching. You'll put up with mediocre worship. You will because you have family and connection. A few more. Oh, man. Fortune cookie. It still hurts every time someone leaves Central. But they keep leaving. It hurts. I mean, every time somebody says, Mark, they're... They're going somewhere else or they're doing something else. And God may be right in the big middle of it saying they need to go do this. And I, and I understand those things. But it's still so painful because, uh, you know, if you have a gift of pastor shepherding like I do, man, I get involved in your life. I'm praying for you. I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, and, and this, is, this is what happens because eventually somebody will talk to me and says, Mark, it has nothing to do with you but... And what that means is, yeah, it's going to happen. And I know somebody's out there right now thinking, well, Mark, this is kind of our last Sunday. <laughs> but I want you to know something. I will grieve over it if that's the case because it, it just so happens. I mean, that's the way it is. Um, here's another one. And I've learned this. Everyone, and I mean everyone, is vulnerable and susceptible to falling. I've been in ministry since 1980. I went on staff for the first time. And I think I went in pretty eyes open, but kind of naive. Here we are 37 years later, and I've seen people that were solid Christian people, their marriage falls apart. I've seen what I thought were the greatest parents in the world, their kids rebelled. I saw people who were healthy as all get out and their health faltered. 
And I, and I used to think, well, you know, maybe it's just certain people, but everyone. I mean, pastors. I mean, we're all susceptible. And it's this way. I, I don't say that to curse you, but I say this. Take heed lest you fall. You've got to always be on your guard. A couple more. Evangelism has become really difficult. And for some of you are thinking, what does the word evangelism mean? Evangelism means sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that you were fallen, that Jesus Christ came and gave his life for you. And as you repent and follow after Christ, receive him as your Savior, you have eternal life. See, that's the good news. But, but evangelism has become so much more difficult. It used to be that there was a common ground spiritually somehow that you could begin the topic with. Now you have to plow and you have to dig down and you have to build a relationship and you're pray, covering over it in prayer. And it may be months and months and months before you can even share your story of faith and it's become way difficult. Here's another one. There's no such thing as reaching the platform of success when it comes to ministry. You're either growing or you're declining. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about spiritually. You're either growing or you're declining. And there's no level. There's a level of faithfulness. God, we want to be faithful. But the scorecard is not how big you get. The, the scorecard is faithfulness. And that, that brings me to my last one. It's this. Everybody has a scorecard in life that you try to measure up to, right? Your business has a scorecard. Your, your uh, school... Academics have a scorecard that you're, you're doing. Everybody has a scorecard. And so you wonder, what's the scorecard for the church and what does God want for the church? Man, that's so fluid. It's so hard. But I know one of them is this, is that when I read the Word of God, success, faithfulness is not measured by how much you have, but by how much you give away. And I'm not talking about just money. I mean, we've been presenting the budget for the last couple of weeks, and some of you think, oh, we trust our leadership, we trust the budget. But you've got to understand, this budget is what allows us guardrails to, to develop and, and ministry and to multiply the kingdom all over the world. And that's why it's so vital that you're part of it. Yes, it pays my salary. Yes, it pays the staff's staff salary. Hopefully, we're a decent investment. But we are, we are trying to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that brought me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to give you the background before I, I read a passage out of it because I think it's important that you hear this. What had happened was this, is that the Christians in Jerusalem and in, in, in Palestine, Israel area, what had happened was is they were under incredible poverty. They were impoverished by the Romans, but they had, they had hit a time where there was there was famine in the land. I mean, it was bad. And so Paul is now going to try to help secure funds to take back to these, these people who are there to try to take care of them. And he knows he's been on these missionary journeys. He can ask them for help. Surely they will come to the aid of these people. And so he comes to the Corinthian church and he's t he tells them what's going on. And the Corinthian church says this, we'll come through. We, we, will, we will sacrifice, we will do whatever it takes to be able to do this. And so what do they do? They, they, they go about the process. Well, in the meantime, Paul goes over to Macedonia and he tells the Macedonian church, he says this, hey, the Corinthian church is going to give big to this. And you don't, basically, you don't want the Corinthian church out, do you? 
I think that's probably what he said. And the Macedonian church said, whoa, we better step up. If the Corinthian church is doing that, we better step up. So they start taking an offering, and they take an offering. And then Paul goes back, and he writes the, the Corinthian church, and that's what's happening in chapter 9. He says, oh, hey, by the way, the Macedonian church heard that you were going to give real big, and so they've now jumped on. And so now he's kind of used that twisted, uh, great businessman in Paul, and he's and he's kind of kind of getting back at him and saying, "Listen, you better come through if the Macedonian church is going to follow you." So it's a great great way of looking at things. And they were going to come together. And he said, "I'm going to send some men to come and pick it up, and they will they will do it and they'll take care of it." And the Corinthian church did come through in a huge way. But I want to pick it up in verse six here and read a little bit because I think that God has an incredible word, I believe, for us here at Central. And it says this: Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. In other words, as you give out, God's going to bless you back so you can give more is what he is saying here. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also flowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What he is saying here in a nutshell is this. As you give yourself away, you were not called to hoard. You were called to give yourself away. And as you give yourself away, even that has come from God. And then as you give to others, then God blesses you even more so you can give more. I mean, it's an incredible business principle that that God has laid out for these people, but it's a faith thing that they have to understand. And so as I thought about that, as God showed me that passage of Scripture last week, I just began to pray through that. And I want to challenge you just for, for a moment on three things that I think we, as we move into a 25th year as a congregation that are vital for us. Central, first of all, we have to give ourselves to prayer. We have to give ourselves to prayer. I know we've, I've asked the question before, are we a church that prays or are we truly a praying church? And there's a difference. A church that prays, every Bible fellowship here I know has a prayer chain. I know that we have one as a church. I know that we uh, have a Wednesday night prayer time. I know that we have an altar ministry time. We pray. But the question I have, are we truly a praying church where we are so desperate for God that we just cry out to him? And and I, as a parent, I remember when when my kids used to make mistakes, uh, they're always our kids, even though they're in their 30s now. They make a mistake. I, as a parent, would not look at them. I would look at myself. What did I do wrong that they would make that kind of decision? Now, when they're little, you can discipline that. When they're older, you can't. But, but I would ask that. And so I started thinking, God, 
why we pray, but, but are we desperate for you? And, and I thought of it this way. Maybe the reason that we are not desperate in prayer is that I am not desperate in prayer. That, that myself, I mean, I'm thinking, God, am I desperate? Yes, uh, I have a prayer time. Yes, Pam and I have a prayer time. Yes, we lift things to you, God, but, but am I desperate for you in prayer? And, and am I just crying out for you, God, that if you do not come through, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to happen. And, and it's got to be something that permeates. You know, we've tried a lot of things. We tried elder prayer time, but, but that seemed to fall on deafness. It just did not resonate. And, 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 and I think what I've learned is that we try to turn prayer into an activity instead of something that just permeates our hearts and we can't help but do. And I, and, I, and I know that we as a staff, we talk about this, as elders talk about this. We talk about how do we, we inject this to God so that we're desperate for you. But I can tell you, it's got to begin with us. You know, the staff, if you look at the org chart of our church, it's not we up here and everybody else down here. We believe that we ought to be the chief feet washers. And if something's going to permeate, it ought to permeate from the bottom up. And so just, God, God, we need, we need this. And Central, we got to give ourselves to prayer. Um, we believe in it. Yesterday, um, got a call from uh, Kathy Walker, called Pam, Kathy, uh, receptionist, my assistant here, and uh, called, uh, called Pam. I was headed out to Liberty Hill at the time, and uh, called, and, and she just said, our grandson has been in an ATV accident, and uh it, it doesn't look good. And then by the time, and Pam called me, you know, just so we could pray and got a whole, Pam got a whole home group, that kind of stuff. And and, uh, and then by the time that it happened, I called a text back and she just said, he's gone. And uh, 15 years old. And, um, you know, her first call was, we need to pray. And uh, once again, it showed community, too. And, and, you know, there's people swelling up. But, man, I cannot imagine the pain of that, uh, even to walk through that. And, uh, but, but where I'm coming with this is that are, are we desperate for prayer? There, there's one action item that I want to tell you out of this is that if several years ago we were involved in something called a, a, a 24, uh, excuse me, unceasing prayer movement. It's an Austin prayer movement. Trey Kent, friend of mine, pastors at Northwest Fellowship. What it is is that a different congregation takes every day of the month, those 24 hours, and their congregation prays for the whole Austin metro area. We're praying for revival. We're praying for God to do great things. We, we were involved in that at one time, and we stepped aside. And uh, stepped aside uh, maybe for many various reasons. But I, but I told Trey, it's time for us to get back on board. It's time for us to get back, to get a day, and that we are going to be responsible for that day. So I don't want to stand up here and say, oh, man, we're not praying without taking an action item. And that's one action item we're going to take. So we need, we need to uh, give ourselves to prayer. Number two is we need to give ourselves to the family and the body of Central. Um, there's a reason that you're a part of this body. And I, and I realize there's some great congregations in this community. I mean, there's some great ones. I mean, I mean, uh, I, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd still go here. But there's some others I might visit occasionally that, that there are some, just some good congregations in this, in this area. But 
It's one thing to come and attend. It's another thing to be an investor owner in what is taking place here. And, and we don't need uh, people just to attend. I mean, I know that's, that's how you come in the door, but you've got to understand, we want you to come to a point where you're investing and you're, you're taking ownership. What does that mean? Well, it means that, that you are finding, God, where can you use me to serve in this body or out of this body that, that can be used? And, and, and I don't know what that may be, but, but God is going to show you. These shirts are part of our, our, our kids' ministry and, and, uh, Mandy and Ashley, they've, they've got them down there and, and you can go and we want you to go and talk to them about how you can get involved in, in, in kids ministry. Alan, uh, over our family ministry and, and with our student ministry, what, what I'm saying here is we want to invest in the next generation. It's easy for us just to find people that are in our same demographics of life and we just enjoy company with one another. I know you're busy. I know many of you are doing ministry all over the place. But we have got to invest in this next generation. We have got to see them come to know Jesus Christ. We want to raise them up in such a way that they're missionaries in this world. Because, hey, I don't know if you've opened your eyes lately, but things aren't getting any better out there. And we want to be able to invest in that generation. And listen, you don't know who's in these classes right now. You do not know who's in there. Next pastor of Central could be in there. We want to be investing in there. So we want to give ourselves to the body of Central, and, and there's many ways that that can happen. But thirdly, we need to give ourselves to this community and to the world. I mean, we need to give ourselves away. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not by how much you have, it's how much you're willing to give away. And I think that God has put us in a place that we are to give ourselves away. And, and, and the Harvey stuff has been huge. I mean, many of you have stepped up. And we got people, my goodness, we got people all over the place that are, that are serving, that are, that are there. Uh, Al went down there yesterday with another group. We've got another group that's going to go in a few weeks. I mean, the, yes, we're giving ourselves away. But, but I want to I encourage you that we need to look out and how we can share the gospel in a tangible way. And this is why I shared with you about a month ago that when we entered into this budget process this year, that I asked, uh, uh, first of all, I bounced it off the elders, and then we went before the team and said, we want a budget, just a line item of 50000 that we've not had before, and in that $50,000 it will be for community outreach so that every small group or Bible fellowship can prayerfully go together and seek how God wants them to be involved in a life. Now, not to go write a $10,000 check, but to look and say, hey, that's a single mom that we need to love on, or that's, that's, uh, that's somebody, they're in need. We need to be there for them, and we want to we be there for them. And it's not going to be the same in every group. My goodness, your group is going to pray, and there's going to be somebody, and somebody's going to come and say, hey, there's this lady I work with, and she's got uh, three kids and no husband, and, and uh, man, she's got some needs. Well, okay, we need to be there. We know the church has budgeted money for that. Hey, let's go love on them. Let's see what we can do. See, see what I'm saying? I, I think that this is a way for us to, to tangibly love on our community. And, and it, it, you know, we look at the whole world. And, and what I love about Central, Alan said it earlier, is that we've, we can touch the whole world from right here. Uh, and so I just encourage you. Uh, in that area about giving ourselves to the community in the world. And then this is what the Lord showed me out of this passage, because there's a couple of things, and I just want to share them right quick. In verse 10, he said this, because of this giving, 
He says, you will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, I got to be honest. I, first of all, I thought, I have no clue what that means. And, uh, but I, I'm willing to pray and see what that means. But what does it mean to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness? And I thought about it, and as I prayed through it and kind of read a little bit, actually it is that display of the righteousness of God in your life. In other words, you do understand this, don't you, that you are growing. You're not going to remain the same. You're going to grow. And as you give yourself away, the righteousness of Christ becomes even more visible in you. And it's His righteousness, not yours. You're just doing what He, he, he has given you to do by His Spirit. And His righteousness is, is manifested. But then there's another thing down in verse 13. It says this, Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, in other words, the giving of yourselves away, Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. The, the ESV version and, and the uh, uh, New American Standard version says, where it says men will praise God, it says men will glorify God because of what you're doing. And here's what it means. Here's the two fruits that, that I believe that when central we give ourselves away is that number one is our own, uh, the righteousness of Christ becomes more manifest in our life. We're growing up. But number two is, other people will give glory to God because of what we are doing. In other words, it's not going to say, hey, oh, Central, they're really cool. Look what they're doing or, or, or look what they're doing over there at their church. Look at No, it will be God will get the glory, not man will get the glory. You do understand that when man does the work and man gets the glory, it's called manufacture. Glory. I'm sorry. Is that me? It is me. Glory is to go to God. If we steal glory, he'll disappear. Let me end with one last thought. And, and I realize I'm, I'm processing a lot here. But um, this, is a, this is a personal word from, from me. Um, leadership... Um, let me say this correctly. I, I struggle somewhat with leadership, not 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 just in leading itself, because um, uh, I'm thrust into it, and, uh, and and that's the way leadership is. But I struggle more with modern day pastoral leadership than I ever have, um, because uh, I am not a businessman by nature. I'm I am intuitive, and in fact, it became really real. Last week, that's another story. Uh, but, uh, you know, when somebody says, well, Mark, where do you see us on down the road? Where do you see us in five years, ten years, and, and this kind of stuff? And, and uh, you know, don't you think we need to organize this and do this? And the answer is, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. But, but man, there's a part of me that, that uh, kind of cringes at that a little bit. And it's the way I'm wired. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's people that can tell you what they're going to be doing Five years from now, I don't have a problem with that. It's just that, that I'm leading, you know, as God directs and, and I struggle. Okay, let me get to my point. And so I go before the Lord with that and say, God, I'm struggling. You know, I, I, I love Central. I love what you're doing here. But, God, you know I struggle with this, with this part of leadership. And the Lord, I wish I, I wish I could say it was out loud, but he really spoke to my heart. And he said, Mark, I didn't call you to lead people. I called you to follow me. I 
didn't call you to lead people. I called you to follow me. So what do I do? I went back to Jeremiah chapter 1 because Jeremiah chapter 1 is what God used to radically alter my life into what I'm doing now. And I thought, hmm. So I went back and read. You know what it says about leading? It says none. It says everything about following and being obedient. And so I say, God, that's not that bad. I will pursue you. Nobody follows. I still will pursue you. That's where I want to be. For I believe it's as we give ourselves away. Let's pray. Lord, I know today has been more for me than for anybody else here. Lord, this this thing is not a game. It's not a religious game. It is life and death. None of us know when we may get a phone call that alters all of life. And Lord, I pray over Terry and Kathy today, and I pray over Mike and Amanda as they grieve son and grandson. Lord God, I love this body known as Central, but my love pales compared to yours. And Lord, you want to bring yourself glory in a day that is dark and it's getting darker, but you know, Lord, at the darkest is when you shine the brightest. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people who give ourselves to prayer. We give ourselves to this body and we give ourselves away to the community and our world. Show us how to do that, God. It's easy to talk about, but show us how to do it.